uh, everybody's mind and consciousness is back here in New Zealand, and we've got the beautiful Aroha in studio. Aroha, I'm so glad you made it out of your small wee Coromandel you're village. Glad. How are you doing? Oh, you're glad. I've had two cats <laughs> for company for four days. I forgot what people looked like. You're all in different colours. <laughs> How you doing? Aroha? It's, it's been so, a while. Thank you. It's lovely to see your faces and to have normal humour and human interaction. Because it's really <laughs> easy when you're reporting on such big tragedies. For the last two weeks, it's just been sorrow FM. Mm. And it's quite yeah. isolating. And then, of course, I'm stuck in this house that's on a hill and it's dangerous oh. and there's wind and the power keeps cutting out and I'm trying to make sense of it all and get the news across. But today, I guess the the cool thing, because no one cares about what I've been going through, the whole country's been going through it if you're north of Wellington. Um, today, the stink thing was no one could get hold of anyone on, on the East Cape or across mm. Hawke's Bay. And it was really frustrating. I saw friends on Facebook who just started posting jokes about, hey, you know, maybe they're just ghosting me. And by this morning, it started to get panicky. You know, you see the escalation and yeah. the messages. So the great news is um, they don't have any any information about anyone who's missing or unaccounted for. So that's good. No, no news, good news. They established contact overnight with the Escape and Hawke's Bay and Wairoa, which was completely, completely cut off, via Starlink. And so they have been able to get in contact with the Civil Defence Emergency Centres in Wairoa and, and across that region. So today, Civil Defence is sending up choppers to the Esk Valley to make an assessment of anyone and everyone who might still be live streaming from a rooftop and or worse. And they're also going into Wairoa to make sure... They're choppering in today. Like, there's a big bunch of people mm. jumping on a helicopter with oh, supplies... Cool. And yep. flying direct to Wairua. You know, that's where all my farm they was. I'm Tuwai, so they're all in Tuwai. And unfortunately, everyone in Tuwai has no power. They're like the only centre left there that has no power are Tuwai and Mahia. Mm. Everybody else I was thinking about the Lake Aroha because I, I spent oh. a bit of time up the, up the Lake Wakarimoa and I was thinking, man, because it was already quite, there was so much water in the lake, but I think they had to um, empty it away. But but I was thinking, man, that road in and out there for, through uh, Rua, Rua, Rua Toki. Yeah, Rua Toki. Rua Toki, it's hardcore. Oh, man. And, and so talk to me about Gizzi. My, my wife's family's from Tarafati and Gizzi, and, and we haven't heard from them for about two or three days. She's pretty chaotic there, and the roads in and out are all being affected. Is there any news when they'll get some power or, or when we get communications back in the in the East Coast? Everyone keeps saying it's uncertain when power is going to come on. There are nearly a quarter of a million people with no power. Mm. I woke up this morning and read that and I thought the BBC's got it wrong. That's some. It's crazy. Someone doesn't know their decimal <laughs> places. But it's true, 225,000 people. That's not customers, so that's not households. That's yeah. people affected. Mm. And the, sometimes the numbers just start to sort of become white noise because they mm. just, you know, oh, it becomes 10,000 high. But quarter of a million, that's an eighth of the population. Without and, it's a, and it's a disaster. Power. It's a disaster when you're looking at our rural communities. Well, like, for instance, out at Muruwai, everyone's on septic. So the power goes out. out. There's no, you can't use a toilet. You know what I mean? People don't think of things like that. So it's not about, oh, I can't cook a feed. Well, you can't cook a feed and you can't go to the toilet. You know, you can't have a hot shower. 
So it's really devastating. These these transformers that are being sizzled, and these power lines that are going down. The guys in Vector or wherever, um, what what power firm they're working for, working overtime. I mean, the sooner they get the power on, the better. For example. Across the Coromandel Peninsula, so we got hit sort of, so it sort of went in, in zones, right? One zone gets hit, then another zone gets hit. So we were sort of like zone two, and then zone three was Tairafti, and it's moving down the country, but not as intense now. For us, the eastern seaboard and the, the coastal areas are complete catastrophes. Mm. There are so many people who just w- were not prepared, had never seen anything like this before, and they're now in, in sort of like this brown lake of misery. And, and it's hard to get resources in because all of our roads there are closed. Everything, even I got locked in. Like Thames, there's this one yeah. road. It's called the Nazi Maru Highway. And that has only been closed once before in my living memory. I was born there. And I woke up yesterday morning and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go to work. Drive out, swim back. Hello, Army Unimog. I feel like I should salute you and say, <laughs> copy that. It was a little bit <laughs> apocalyptic. And then when the light mm, has come on and you look out and the whole southern end of the, the where we are in Hauraki was just brown underwater. And you sort of feel like you're in a disaster zone. But you, you need those images to remind you. So this is the first time I've ever got a grab bag together and been prepared. But I had just done a week of covering Syria and Turkey. So I had all of the, I had cat food and baked beans and like mm. socks that matched because I was really worried about having to evacuate in my pajamas. I think that's the key, eh? That like yesterday I was talking to my wife is like actually getting prepared for for the unknown, and I th- I get a sense that that not many were pre- prepared for this, particularly in the Hawkes Bay region along the along the Cape, just not really knowing know. what the cyclone's going to do, and and how it's going to go. But it just really hits at home, like how isolated they are and, and the struggles like Gisborne we go back there every every year and it is the most isolated city in the country but which we st- like. still they're having a, right? which we, we like, like. we love it we're, we're away from everyone but it's it just really hits home that you know that we've just got to do a bit more and, and be prepared mm. for for this kind of scenario I'll keep it I'll, I'll go now because everyone's heard what they want to hear and I don't want to stretch it on too long and bad news first thing in the morning is like a bad breakfast and a hangover. But mm. I felt the opposite. I thought people were more prepared this time mm. because of what had happened in Auckland. The, I mean, we had deaths in Auckland that could have been avoided mm. if, if, if better messaging had been put out there and it might have felt like overkill this time, but I feel like people at least were prepared going yeah. into this and will be more prepared in the future. And people in Christchurch have yeah. been our blazing stars on what resilience looks like. So now we have to start that rebuilding phase. I love you guys. It's nice to see you. Tell me some good news. 